But I think it's important that people really take to heart how they lead because people are watching. We don't realize it that people are watching our every move and they follow it. You're listening to In the Hour with Jared Nichols and Lolly Daskal. Well, good morning, Lolly. Good morning, Jared. This is good to see you on a uh, Wednesday morning, Thursday morning. I'm losing track of the days. That's what <laughs> I happens. think it's Friday. Yeah, <laughs> it could be. Uh, days of the week are all relative. Time is relative. We can make it whatever we want to make it. What hey. only matters is that we're together in the hour. There you go. There. Oh, that was well played. Well played. Good placement of the show as well. Nicely done. Very impressed. Man, I am outclassed. All right. Good. So, Lolly, uh, here's a favorite topic of mine, and you're the one who actually came up with this for our show today, and that's about leading through uncertainty. And I love this because it sounds like a cool thing to say, but a lot of people don't really dive deep into it, and that's exactly what we're going to do. So, Absolutely. why don't you kick this off since it was your idea? Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, you're very welcome. So... The reason I wanted to talk about leading through uncertainty is because definitely right now what we're going through is an uncertain time. But if you look through history, there's always been uncertainty in some aspect. And we need to learn, maybe not we need to, but it would be important to learn what does it take to really excel in a time of uncertainty. But before we do that, I think it's important to talk about what happens to us as human beings when we're uncertain. Because if we can identify what happens to us as humans, we can then give the human touch for the best practices, for the solutions, for the challenges. So I wanna talk a little bit about uncertainty by itself. Yeah. What happens to a human being when they're in uncertain situation. Most likely there is panic, there is fear, sometimes there's depression, sometimes what do you think would happen? What happens for you? Is there anything in particular that happens for you when things are uncertain? Well, I mean, personally, when things are uncertain, um, I go into a process of uh, trying to figure out my next action. So again, I, so a lot of it comes down to personality. So my personality is always, I'm, I've been told I have a bias towards action. So I'm going to figure out, hey, great, things are uncertain. What do I know? What do I don't know? What do I need to know? And, and then how do I use that information to take action? And that's, that's really you know, the most simple way of, of how I cope with it. <laughs> That's very interesting because I ha- I actually call that a certain thing. And guys who are listening, Jared has a tendency to rename all my processes <laughs> and all my coaching. So let's see if he does it this time let's too. See. What you just described, and I like to name things, is self-leadership, mm. right? It's about having an attitude. It's about having a mindset. And you said, I go into action. But I'd like to describe why you go into action, because I think it's important to understand the driver of what you do. And I think people will be able to relate to that. Yeah. When things are uncertain, people get anxious. You know, people feel powerless. People feel stressed. But they have to grab on to something in order to make it through those moments. Mm -hmm. And they what a person can do, what I call the self-leadership, 
is to tap into what I call values, what I call people stand for. So if you stand for compassion or if you stand for justice or if you stand for courage, and I'm not sure what you stand for, what your thing is or passion or purpose, I think it's, I would say it would be all about purpose. I'm just yeah, guessing. Yeah, that's part of that and facial hair, but otherwise, yes. Yeah, yeah. you're right. Facial hair. <laughs> so the thing is, if you, if you're driven by those values, then you're, the natural instinct is then take actions on those values. So it's very important that people to understand that if you're leading, if you're a boss, if you're a CEO, you're a manager, you're a parent, you're a teacher, and there's uncertainty around you, the first thing you have to identify for yourself is the self-leadership. What's important to me? Because I'm going to be the example of what others can follow. So um, what do you yeah. think about that? No, I think that's exactly right. One thing I, you know, I when I explain how I am, and you've done a nicely job of explaining that, and I think that's correct. Uh, but I also back that up by saying that doesn't mean that that's always the right thing to do. You know, sometimes, like you said, taking action is a grabbing on to something. Uh, I've had to learn over the years that I can't just spring right into action. So I, so that's where I go back and say, well, what do I know? What do I don't know? What do I need to know? Um, and then try to put things into perspective, right? Like, is the world actually falling apart? No, right? And if it's not, I can slow down a little bit because I want to make informed decisions. Um, but I think the danger in that for uh, people like me is that uh, we can also, and I've... Uh, and I have a solution for not doing this, but we could also, especially if people are looking to you, uh, jump into that that uh, state and you project a false sense of certainty, which is intended to be good so that other people don't get anxious and everything else, but you could be running everybody off the cliff. So, you know, you know, the people wired the way that I'm wired have to be really self-aware about that, you know, and say, okay, you know. So that's why I said earlier that you have to identify if, let's just say, for example, your value is purpose, mm-hmm. you will be taking the right action that you won't be driving people off the cliff. Mm. But if you don't go and identify why you're taking that action, then I can see it going amok. I can see it being crazy havoc and getting people more anxious. But if it's identified, then it's attached to a value. Then I think, I think people become smarter at their decisions. Um, And I think that because this is what happens to a human being when, um, when you're more stressed, when things are a little bit crazy in your head, when you're feeling uncertain, studies show that you're less smart yeah. and you're smart about how you think. And if you're less smart of how you think, then, you know, others will then pick up on you're not really at your best. Yeah. So what you need to do is for people that are prone to action is to attach it to a value, attach it to something that's important to you. So it gets anchored in taking the uncertainty and giving that uncertain uncertainty purpose. Yeah. Right. If it's yeah. attached, it starts to make sense. Well, you said and a really actually, important word there. And I think, and I just wanted to like point this out and it's anchor. 
the anchor. Yeah. That's really, that's what it is. You have to be anchored to something. Otherwise you're just, you know, pissing in the wind. Oh, okay. Right. Yes. Which I just uh, realized that's a very sexist term because only men can really get away with that term. <laughs> the visual wasn't that appealing to me either, but I was like, okay. Oh man. See, I'm self-aware. I catch myself in trouble all the time. Go ahead. <laughs> So just to bring it, uh, bring yeah, it back, bring, bring us back here. I'm getting more serious right here. Yeah, but yeah. seriously, the, the idea is that when things are uncertain, we have to tap into parts of ourselves that we know is sure. We have to tap into the parts that give us a sense of ground, as, as I said, a sense of anger. Um, a long time ago, I read this study. I think it was from Stanford University. I don't remember. So people check if I'm right. And um, it talked about having an attitude of certainty provides like a psychology safety for people around you. So if you're feeling good, if you're feeling sure, then people around you aren't as fearful. They pick up from you as an example of how you're feeling. And, and you know, people gravitate to the calm one. People gravitate to the person that seems to have it together. And that's what this is all about. That's why I think it starts with self-leadership. And even if you're feeling crazy, even if you're feeling scared, even if you're feeling things are un- you know, out of control, tap into the one thing you can control. Because I think it's important that people, right, those that you lead will be more, in- will, no, this is what I want to say. People will be more influenced by the power of your example than the example of your power. Mm. that how you lead as a role model is what they're looking for. They're not looking for you to talk about who you are in the world as your position, how much money you make. That doesn't give them a, a sense of peace of mind. It's how you lead in the uncertainty by leading by example. That's what gives them that calmness and say, okay, I want to follow this leader. Yeah. You know, I think something to add to that too. Well, it's really just a compliment to that is, we talk about leading through uncertainty. The key to all of that, again, and this is a theme that keeps coming up in our conversations, it's about being, and I'll say honest because authentic is true, but everybody talks about being authentic and it almost for some kind of becomes inauthentic because you're trying to be authentic. Yeah, you know, it's just this weird thing that we do in our uh, hyper, uh, you know, media heavy environment. Uh, what's the latest thing that we should be like? But if you're honest and you're you're sincere about the fact that, um, number one, I don't have all the answers. I, I think we've talked about this before, but I'm going to go ahead and just throw this in here to give a little context. And that is the greatest advantage I discovered when I transitioned from my uh, former career as an insurance broker into the world of foresight and future studies when I was in my graduate program was just realizing how much I don't know and how much I will never know. I was like, wow, what a freeing experience. Because you don't realize how our culture, our environment tells us that you know we need to have it all figured out, even if we don't. It's really the emperor's got no clothes. But we're supposed to be like, oh, look at how beautiful those garments are. I want some like that too. Without realizing we're all walking around butt naked, right? But the minute you start to recognize that you don't have all the answers, you never will. That gives you a great sense of freedom and it gives you an anchor in reality. And people people respect that. And if you're a leader who says, listen, times are uncertain. 
I don't have all the answers, but here's what I do know. Here's what I'm trying to understand. And here's where I need your help. Like that embodies or that, that, um, that inspires action and collaboration in people uh, that are around you, especially if you have people that look to you. Just be honest. You, without that, it's just an exercise. It's just an, an academic exercise. And well, I need to project this image, which goes back to what you were saying. You know, when, right. say, say it again because it was great. People respond to the power of your example. People will always be more influenced by the power of your example mm. than the example of your power. That is really good. Did you did but, you write that? Is that yours? That's a lollyism. That is a good one, Lolly. Nicely done. I will not change that. I won't mess with it. As I said on one of the podcasts, um, there are things that I say in organizations that they call them lollyisms and they write them down yeah. and then they repeat it back to me like it's their own. There you, know, you go. Always, oh, that means yeah, you are a thought a- leader if they are, <laughs> you know, following your thought and repeating it back to you. <laughs> I don't mind. But what you said is so important about how you named it. I was laughing because you said, you know, you have to be authentic. Anybody that walks around saying I'm an authentic person isn't an authentic person. You can say I'm authentic. You just have to lead by example and be authentic. Right. You can't you can't say it. I'm authentic. Right. You you need to do the things so that people know that you're authentic. So if you want to be authentic, what do you need to do? Well, as a leader, you need to connect. You need to be in the trenches with your folks so they know that you're there for them. Mm-hmm. Think, not that I think. Actually, I've seen this actually happen. I've been through many crises with my clients. And when things are going well, people are okay. But when things are not going well and you really connect with your folks as a leader, there is such strong bonding that sometimes it's even uh, it's even stronger than when everything is going well. So when times are uncertain, it behooves the leader to think really uh, think to think about different ways. How can I connect with my folks? Because. I should be fostering a deeper relationship now than ever before. This is an opportunity. This uncertainty is not a challenge, but an opportunity to really get to know the people that I'm working with and the people that work for me and to learn about them on a different level. Because once this uncertain crisis is over, trust me, I've seen this a thousand times. If the leader spends the time in the uncertainty to really bond exponentially what happens the relationship is 10 times better than what it was to begin with of and course to think about yeah that's a that's a a human thing um this is why you hear from um soldiers who've been in you know in the trenches together who have fought together i mean they're like family um because they have gone through suffering together they have gone through crisis together they have experienced something that uh, is unique to their situation and that it creates a special knowing and understanding of one another that other people just you won't have. And so this is where uncertainty is truly an opportunity to create deer, deeper connections in your team, to create deeper connections with the people that are closest to you. Um, it's one of those things you don't want to squander because, uh, I wrote something down this morning. Um, actually, it was thinking about how to describe uh, our first episode, 
right? You know, so thinking about, okay, well, what's the best way to describe this in my mind? And one thing that I started writing down was how we act in the crisis, in any crisis, determines who we will be when it passes. And I think that's really what we're talking about today. That's so beautiful. That that could have been a lollyism. That's pretty could have good. Been, but it's not. But you know what? You can go ahead and try and change it up a little bit, throw in an and or a the, and I'll say, yeah, whatever. That's fine. That's cool. I do that to you, by the way. I don't know if you've noticed. <laughs> What's that? I don't do that to you. I never change I your... I'm really just throwing chum in the water to see if you'll take some of it and just like, bro, I'm going to go ahead and turn this around. <laughs> I actually always go, that was brilliant. I give you credit for that. I know. I walk away and I can't even get my head out of the door. It's so big after our conversation. I'm like, well, thanks. My wife says, oh, you must <gasps> just talk to Lolly because you can't fit through the doorway. I'm like, yeah, that's right. Just give me an hour. I'll deflate. Don't worry. <laughs> so. No, let's be honest. You do say some smart things and they're important things to really take to heart. And that brings me to what I want to say is that you're saying very important things because, so if we talk about being authentic, we talk about making a connection, what kind of connection? I think it needs to be from the heart instead of the head, instead of the mind, right? And you could even take that acronym of the heart and humility, right? What would you say you would need? If you were to lead from the heart and we would turn this into an acronym, what would you, I would do H for humility, what would you do for E? Um, empathy. Okay, great. A, authenticity, right? Yeah. R, mm -hmm. what would you uh, do for Reciprocity. That's great. I would Thank say you. respect another the way you respect, you want to be respected. Yeah. And T, I would say is trust. Yeah. Right? So you need to give trust in order to earn trust. And, or we can even do transparency, right? You, and communication. So if we remember this as an acronym of what we can do to lead with heart, it brings us closer to the folks that are with us, who will follow us. And we have to let those folks know, we're here for you. We support you. We don't know everything. And that's okay, right? And you talk about this all the time. Say that you don't know it. But I think it's important that people really take to heart how they lead because people are watching. We don't realize it, that people are watching our every move and they follow it, yeah. right? And they take it on as their own. That's why the lollyisms, I don't mind that they repeat it as their own because it's not for me to hold on to. It's not about me. It's about what do you do with the example that really, really matters at the end of the day. Yeah. And so I think we, we have a nice theme going here that in uncertainty, authenticity we talked about, right? We talked about connecting and communicating, leading from the heart. What else would you say would be important? Uh, you know, I think the big thing when it comes to leading in uncertainty on top of everything we've discussed is that you are actively looking for the other side to your own narrative, your own idea. And this is really important, right? So when things are breaking down, part of just our human response and survival response is to start threading a narrative together about it's not really that bad. And you might be right. Maybe it isn't that bad. It's not really that bad. We can take care of this. We could, you know, you just start building up this this story, this preferred future, without uh, without a lot of uh, uh, pushback. And you need to actively look for areas where you have blind spots, because so many, you know the, the idea of wishful thinking is a very real thing, and it usually ends up in bad places. 
So you have to be aware enough to recognize that, number one, uh, I talk about this when it comes to biases and assumptions. The first thing I always want to point out is that there's nothing wrong with biases and assumptions as long as you're aware of them. We all have them. We always will. Be aware of them and then actively look for ways to challenge them. Because if you don't, you could just be repeating the same old things, trying to reinforce an old narrative that no longer has any contextual relevance, and you will drive everybody off the cliff. That's the other thing here. We're driving, we're like Buffalo, being driven off a cliff. So don't do that, <laughs> you know? But that's it. You, you have to look for ways to challenge your narrative. So there's a famous quote, and I know everybody that is listening knows this quote, and it's by Einstein, and he says that our most significant problems cannot be solved in the same level of thinking of which they were created, Yeah. right? So we have a problem. We can keep doing the same thing over and over again because he goes on to say that's insanity, Mm -hmm. right? So we're in an outbreak right now. We have COVID or any other uncertainty. It presents us a problem, a challenge, an opportunity, correct? It presents us something. And the thing is, If we don't take it upon ourselves to learn from it, if we don't take it upon ourselves to think about how we can reinvent this, how can it be an evolution, then we have missed the mark. And it takes the uncertainty, and I would say missed opportunity. So the way to take advantage of this opportunity starts back with what I said in the beginning, is that it starts with self-leadership. It starts with knowing what's important to you, elevating your thinking of what's important and defining it. So if you're all about compassion and being courageous, what can you do in those values that make those around you calmer? Because when people are frightened around you, when people are, are, are feeling uncomfortable, they need a leader that can display their values, can display their self-leadership. And I, and I think this is so important. I'm, I think people want to go into solving problems right away or taking actions right away. But I think if they step back and think about the self-leadership, then I think that it could come from what you talk about, a more authentic place, a more connected place, a more lead from your heart kind of place. Yeah. And let's just point out, that's not easy work. So I, I always want to point that, you know, is that it's, it's easy to talk about. I'm guilty of it too. Uh, I know that, um, you know, you, I really like how you're framing this up with leading and having that anchor, that connection to your value. What is that main thing that describes your leadership? This, I think, can be a real existential moment for a lot of leaders because they can say, I talk about heart and compassion all the time, but then I just realized in the middle of a crisis, I'm full of shit. I'm really this way. And so you come to this moment where you realize I, you cannot fake it. People in moments of crisis are going to see right through that crap. There's tons of examples of that in leadership right now at every level. So I think the other part of this conversation, Lolly, is let's acknowledge just the deep work you might have to do in a rapid amount of time. If you're serious about leading your people, if you genuinely, because I do believe that a lot of leaders genuinely do care about their people, they just get caught up in the busy. They get caught up in the day to day. And it's like, great, we're going to get back to this. Uh, I'll I'll swing back around and, you know, but everybody knows we've got a mission to accomplish. The action oriented, like we're on mission. When that's done, we'll have time for social life. When that's done, we'll have time for the important things. 
But if a crisis happens, now all of a sudden it's like, man, I've not made the investments in these things that are truly important. I put all my energy in this. You have to have that moment of acknowledging it. And then you have to wrestle with it. And then just be honest about it. And then, right. you know, and because people, they're not expecting perfection. They expect honesty, you know. So I want to give you a little um, behind the scenes about what I do and it pertains to what you're saying. So I always get hired when people are in crisis. Hmm. I never get hired when someone's a great leader, right? Lollies, I get a call and says, oh my God, this leader is the worst. And if you don't get him into shape in the next six months, we're gonna fire him. Or he's not connecting or she's not connecting to the team. You have to do what you do, Lolly, do your magic. So think about it. I'm always coming in in times of crisis. Mm -hmm. Always coming in when people are not at their best. Yeah. And the first thing, when I have my first initial conversation with any one of my new clients, the first thing they always say is, you have a great reputation. You were able to bring up profits. You were able to bring up employee engagement. You were able to people to reach their targets. I want that. Are you gonna give me that? I said, absolutely. And then they said, good, let's start. And I said, no, no, no. Mm -hmm. We have to start. Um, from leading from within and they go what and I go if we don't start with you You're not going to be a better leader to lead others and they always look at me like uh, No, 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 let's get to the targets. Let's get to our stakeholders Let's go. I want to talk to the board and I want to talk to my leadership team and I want to talk about the profits And I want to talk about our targets without fail and I've been doing this for a very very long time And the yeah. pattern is always the same yeah. when I back and say, let's talk about self-leadership, it's like, I don't have time for that. I don't want to do that. But I say, if you want what I was able to do, you know, for another organization, if you, if you want me to do, um, the, if you want to have the same results that I was able to give. <laughs> you got these extra chimes in here. It's like, for those listening. <laughs> See, law is yeah, blowing up day and night. I have everything off and we are in crisis mode. So I, one of my clients is pinging me every five minutes, but we're having a conversation and I want to be fully present in this conversation. So start that crisis thought again. Will yeah. Yeah. yeah, in yeah, five minutes. Perfect. But what perfect. I want to say is, is that everybody wants the shortcut. Everybody yeah. wants the result, but n many people don't want to do the work. When I first uh, called my company Lead From Within, when I first started my coaching company and consulting company, I knew what I was getting into of being very unpopular by saying, let's step back to step forward. But this is what I know for a fact, because as I've said many, many times in all of our conversations is that I read all the time. And my whole thing is I, I love to read about history and I love to read biographies. And what I have learned by reading about history and what I have learned about reading in biographies is that two things. The best leaders had the best awareness of self. The best leaders were able to look at themselves. And, you know, my book is called The Leadership Gap for a Reason is because we do have blind spots. And you talked about it just before. We do have things that get in our way. And when stress is high, then we go to our default. We don't do the best. We don't act the best parts of ourselves. We don't react the way we could if things are all going well. So the thing yeah. is, this is what I know and this is what I've read. 
that in history has taught us that in the worst of times, that if we come together with our best self, it could bring out the best in ourselves and can bring out the best collectively. And that's why it's so important to think, what can we do now in this uncertain time, learn from history that we can stretch ourselves, advance ourselves, and focus on what it is that we need to do in order to take advantage of this opportunity. What do you think? I think you're absolutely right. And you know, what I would come back to is this, that I think, I think most people would agree with you intellectually. Yeah, of course, Lolly, of course. But then that's where it falls off. And you were talking about this, everyone wants the result, but very few are willing to do the work. The work sucks. Let's be honest, it sucks. It just does. That's anything that's hard, anything that creates a genuine positive result that moves the needle requires uh, suffering. It does, right? I mean, it requires that you have to do that deep work and you have to be honest. Otherwise, you are going, you, I mean, the, the, the need to do that will come at some point in your life. So the more you cover it up or construct narratives or ideas around it to avoid it, it's just compounding and it's going to get worse as you go decades down the road. And then maybe you do make it through your, your career as a CEO or a leader in an organization and you retire with a great uh, you know, package and stock options and all this other shit. You know how many of those guys I've met and girls I've met, women, that have retired from a lifelong career that played it safe and did everything else? Plenty, plenty of them. And, and a massive number of them are absolutely miserable. And they look back on their career and go, you know, I mean, the money doesn't make it worth it for them. And so they are having to deal with their shit, you know, in retirement. And that's worse because the distractions are less, you know, so do the work now. That's the thing that it comes down to do the work now. But what is step one? Let me I want to know what you think when it comes to doing the work. What is step one for a leader? Because if they don't do this. Everything else we talk about is, you know. I feel like I'm being tested, but prepare yourself. Barrett is testing me. But the thing we talked something on this call and you talked about it about yourself. There's two things that are very important for a relationship with between my client and myself, because I don't I I disagree with one thing that you said. I mean, the the work of self-leadership of that discovery, you think it's hard, but if it's done the right way, can be so enlightening. You could have so many aha moments about yourself that it actually gives you energy. Oh yeah, so that, yeah, 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 definitely. But it doesn't. But, you, but there's no I, easy I shortcut around people. that. Right. But I don't want to scare people away and say I'm going to throw you into the dungeon and it's hard work, hard work, hard work. It's hard work, but there's so many rewarding moments that you kind of want. Once you get started, you want to stay there because you learn things about yourself that you had no clue. I want us to talk about two things, and I'll answer your question. There's an illustration in my book, in the very beginning of my book, I talk about as human beings. If we think about our lives as a blown up balloon, right? And it's filled with air, about all the things we've ever been through, our experiences, our relationships, our baggage, it's all in that big, big, robust balloon. It's blown up to its capacity. If we don't deal with it, Think of it, if we squeeze the balloon on the right side, we clamp down on it, we're conflict avoidant, we don't think about it, we're holding down tight, we don't want anybody to know about what's really going on for us. What happens to the air in that balloon? It just shifts, it just goes to the other side of the balloon. It goes nowhere. It doesn't 
it doesn't even um, move. If you hold down really tight on one side, it actually pops, right? And that's a disease. That means something horrible happens in your life. So the, the faster you can deal with yourself and learn about yourself, so that's the answer. It's the self-awareness, I think that's number one, and the willingness to take this journey, to take that hero's journey. I always call it the hero's journey because we're going to learn so much about ourselves and we're going to become more courageous as we do it. And the great thing about this is it's a never-ending journey. People think, okay, we'll work with Lolly for a month or two. I'll get some insights and then I'm done. The reason I'm with my clients for 10, 15 years, I have one client I'm with for 25 years, is because once we've reached a certain level, we realize, oh God, there's another level and another level and we can get better and better and there's so much more to do. The day you stop learning is the day you die. And so I think it's so important to realize you have to have self-awareness. That's the answer that I wanted to give you, self-awareness and the willingness to do the work. Yeah, yeah, it's true. the test or did I not? You passed. You passed. You did okay. good. Nicely done. Okay. Next time I'll send you a, a prep sheet, you know, for all the, yeah, right. Like, like I even know the questions I'm going to ask you. It just kind of like happens like, oh, what about this? So no, that's what. How would what, you answer that question? What do you need in order to do that work? Yeah. I, I, I think it's self-awareness. The way I would define that as well, it's really saying the same thing, but it's just, just get brutally honest with yourself. That's right. how you become self-aware. I mean, and to to say again that hard work doesn't mean bad. I work hard if I know that the end goal is something that I really want. So a lot of times the idea of hard work is has negative connotations for certain people because I feel like it means I have to do a bunch of stupid stuff that I don't really like so that I can get this thing that I want on the other end. Well, that's not necessarily true. You must, if, if it's a bunch of quote unquote stupid stuff you don't really like, it's probably not something you really want on the other end. It's probably a narrative somebody else has convinced you of that you should want on the other end. And therefore you're chasing somebody else's idea of your future and you're miserable all the way around. And that's not self-awareness. That's not leadership. It's not even hard work. That's just torture. So get really honest with yourself and say why, you know, simple ways that I tell people to do this is, is step back and, and just notice what's going on, right? Uh, in our current climate today, this is so easy to do. Just turn on the news, whether it's, you know, MSNBC. No, don't, don't turn on MSNBC, Fox or CNN. That's all garbage. Most of it's all garbage anyway, but go ahead and do it for this experiment. And just listen to a news story and then notice how you react, right? So this is one step towards self-awareness. may have nothing to do with your work, but it does start to teach you how to notice your own reaction to certain information. And when you hear a story or you hear something, something that is said, you read something and you have this reaction, whether positive or negative, first thing to do is stop and say, why do I think that? Why do I feel that way? And then you start to see, well, the answer is, well, because, you know, if if you're on one side or the other of a political argument because your political ideology or because you are this and you believe that. Well, why? Well, because you know you just start going down this rabbit hole of trying to figure out why you believe what you believe. Uh, where does that come from? And the more you learn how to unravel that, the more you start to see where your own ideas and beliefs, those things that drive and shape your decisions, you start to see where they're rooted. And then you can make a conscious decision about whether or not they are still valid for who you are and where you want to go. Because if you can undo some of those things, you start to realize that a lot of stuff that you believe 
maybe isn't really all that helpful anymore. Maybe it's not true. And it's not about moving from one side to the other. It's about starting to have that open-mindedness, lifelong learning, you know, realizing you don't have all the answers and that you're constantly looking to take in new information so that you can adapt and adjust and make the most informed decisions. I think what you're asking people to do is very difficult for themselves because as I talked about, if you have a certain way of thinking, then you want to solve the problem with that same kind of thinking. But this requires a shift. This requires to look at yourself the way you haven't looked at yourself before. And it's funny because as a psychologist, you have a supervisor. As a coach, you should have someone else who's as smart as you to then, you know, talk to someone else and to get their opinions. We're, We're not wired I think it's science. We're not wired to really have this. Um, so, so think about it this way, and I'll finish my thought. We have many layers, but I don't think we're wired enough to do that inner work in the way that would bring us to our best work, because we don't know all the questions we would ask ourselves that bring us to the end point. Right. And I see it with my clients. Um, they're very smart individuals. If we were to ask them to do a process of why, 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 they would end up exactly where they started off. It takes an outsider to say one little thing and they go, oh yeah, I haven't thought of that. And it brings them to an opening. So I think it's important to really have a support system around you and have smart people that know how to ask the right questions to get you to think in a different way that get you maybe on a, on a path that you haven't been on before. Why do you think this way? What are you thinking is good, but I think it's harder to do for yourself. No, I agree. I mean, having people, having somebody else who can, what's the old joke about therapists? Uh, Therapists get paid to just sit there and ask you, well, what do you think? (laughs) Right. You know, it's because we often need that. We need somebody else. We need another voice in our head helping to guide us through that journey. Um, it is, it's a journey you can, you can start if, if the, you know, you can start by asking yourselves these questions, but is it, it's far more valuable if you have somebody who can push you through that. Not, and again, this is really key too. There's a lot of, of resistance out there right now to challenging your own ideas and beliefs because everybody is, well, at least what's being highlighted is, oh, everybody thinks they're right. You're on this side or that side, and they think of the right answer. It's all crap. You know, no, nobody is right, right? You know, that's it depends on what it is that you are actually dealing with. And most people have this really neat, tidy narrative to help explain their view of the world. Well, my view of the world changes with new information. I go back and I see, hey, and this didn't happen overnight. This has taken years of just realizing how uh, ignorant I can be. You know, just, oh, I didn't know that. Now I do. So now I adapt. But what really needs to happen first is people have to be able to uh, um, know that it's okay not to have all the answers and go ahead and start to discover why you believe what you believe. Having somebody from the outside to help you with that is incredibly important. And again, this goes back to what I wanted to say is is that it's not about convincing them to uh, believe something else. It's about helping them to discover what they truly believe and what's truly valuable to them. Because a lot of us have gotten lost in the ideas and narratives that other people have prescribed for us. I'm still guilty of that, too. I catch that, you know. That's what I call leadership. Exactly. You're saying what I'm saying, but in a different way. You need that self-leadership. You need to know what's important to you, right? And challenge 
is this my belief or not my belief? But Did the it- irony there is that you need that often that self leadership is honed by having somebody else who is aware enough to say, "Hey, we're not here to try and convince you to move you into a different camp. It's it's to really help you become a better leader." And that starts, as you say, by leading from within. Yeah, absolutely. But you know what? I think the under if I was to name one thing that it takes is understanding. Yeah. When you say that you feel a certain way about something and I disagree, what we need to do is to really have, um, you know, there's, first of all, there's crisis in the world going on at this moment. Right. I have this spirit that's pinging me. I Where are you? Um, so I'm sorry about that. But what I want to say is, and I don't even know what I was saying because I got distracted. Um, yes, understanding that you're not right, I'm not right, you could be right, I could be right, but if I'm here to listen and to understand, doesn't mean I have to agree, right? Just to understand your point of view, then it opens up a dialogue, then it opens up a conversation maybe than I didn't have before. And if we come from that, I always say to my clients, have an open mind, an open heart, and an open will to everything that you do. That's another lollyism. And when you can follow that rhythm, then how could you not show up with empathy and understanding and compassion? That's what it does. That's the kind of leadership that it produces. So I think what you're saying is, again, I'm going to say, I say this on every podcast, but you're brilliant. Yes. Just pause on that one. That's good. Wait, I think you broke up there. Say that again. One more time. I forgot forgot what I said. I just got things (laughs) and client. And I need you, Lolly. Yeah. No, I think, I, that's, I think that's a really good point. I mean, understanding. Uh, that that applies especially to... So another a compliment to that I would say is this, is that you have to have a lot of grace for yourself. You really do. Because um, I, uh, I know you're this way. Nobody can ever... Like, nobody's standard of your work will ever come close to your own standard of your work. Now, that's not the case for everybody, but especially with leaders or uh, you know, folks that are wired away where we create and we work with other people and we design and develop things and we take a, a great deal of pride in our work. Um, nobody could ever, I'm going to be the harshest judge on my own stuff far more than anybody else. That applies to who we are as people tenfold. So we have to have that grace to say, listen, you have to, just as you need to be this way with other people, you need to be this way with yourself. Because if you can't, you can't be this way with other people. Absolutely, absolutely. There's a book, there's this wonderful, wonderful book that I recommend that everybody read. Um, it's called um, Leadership in Turbulent Times. And it's by, she actually won a Pulitzer Prize. Her name is Doris Kern Goodwin. Goodwin. Mm-hmm. And she always writes about presidents. And if you haven't read her books, please, yeah, to pick up anything she's ever written um and she's chronicled many stories about leaders and all our great presidents and the thing that she always asks in her books which is so um eloquent and so important is that she always in this book in particular she said how does adversity affect the growth of leadership um how do the moments of great challenge um 
how are leaders able to summon their talent and their self-leadership in order to improve the lives of themselves and others? And the thing about that is, is that it teaches us throughout history, this is what leaders were doing. Back from Lincoln up until today, she chronicles how leaders ask these questions of themselves. We're not reinventing the wheel here. There were turbulent times back then. There are turbulent times now. They might be different kinds of uncertainty, but it still takes the same foundational elements that we need to ask ourselves those questions to move the needle of what we can do to be better leaders. And I think that today as leaders, that are dealing with the pandemic, that are dealing with corona, I think that her work is so valuable to revisit and to read as a reminder that in times of when things are uncertain and we have high anxiety, that we must change the way we lead. And that means asking ourselves those new questions to get us to our self-leadership, that we can change the way we are leading in order to produce the kind of opportunity that we can from this challenge. I mean, what do you have to lose, right? I mean, this is that's really what it comes down to. You can never go wrong uh, doubling down on honesty. Genuine, like, honesty, being authentic, and just saying, look, I don't have all the answers, but... I'm, you know, when you can acknowledge that and move forward and act in good faith, you know, that's what leadership is. No leader throughout history has ever had all the answers. Nobody was ever guaranteed that outcome. This goes back to one of our earlier episodes on legacy. That's what this is about. We are creating a legacy every single day of every minute of every day, whether we like it or not. What do you have to lose by going all in on being honest, authentic, and taking action based on that. Right. Nothing. And I want to say something important here that people might not realize, and I think this is an important point, is that when you're honest and you're authentic, and what was the third thing you said? Be honest, authentic, and what was, I don't remember, uh, maybe. Taking action based on that. You know, like right. we're doing, or operating in the best interest of the people you serve. I didn't quite say it that way, but that's essentially what I should have said. <laughs> so. Right. Well, I want people to notice something about human behavior. So when when a leader is doing is, is trying to create a change, is trying to do something in uncertainty, and they're coming across as authentic, and they're being transparent, and they're communicating, and there is pushback, this is very important, people need to realize that's a positive sign because resistance actually means that people are hearing the message. Yeah. If people aren't reacting, that means it, the message hasn't landed, that the, whatever the leader is doing went in one ear and went out the other. So if people um, are reacting and they're resisting and they're voicing their opinion, welcome it because the natural reaction when a person feels loss of control is when they feel that they're not, they're not in control, the first thing is, no, 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 no. I don't like this. I don't want this. So don't misread the human behavior message. Don't think that I need to stop. Actually, Keep going and walk through it with your folks because they're telling you they're listening, but they're scared. No. They're telling you they're listening, but they need you as a leader from self-leadership to walk them through the other side. And this brings me to something that I think most of uh, people understand. When there is uncertainty, people go through the five stages of grieving. No. They do go through 
um, you know, uh, denial and angry and all those things until they come to acceptance. So as leaders, we have to understand that people go through things in order to come through the other side. So don't take what is happening personally and don't take it as they're resisting you. Just embrace it in a way that you could emerge together in a way that you have a successful opportunity. So I think very important. And if any, and just, I want to talk about the five five stages of grieving at a high level. Just know that it's, um, we do denial first, Mm -hmm. we do anger second, we do bargaining third, then we go into deep depression. Oh my God, I can't believe this is our new norm. And then there's acceptance. So if we know the five stages of grieving and your organization is grieving, as a leader, it makes it easier to keep moving forward with all the changes that you need to make. Yeah, that's true. Because you, you, if you can see that there's a pattern, you say, well, you know what's coming next. And you can take action. I keep going back to that, take action. But it's positive, you know, and it's, and it's informed. You're saying, look, I know where we're going. Um, yeah, I think that's, that's, that's spot on for sure. I think it's a great way to end the show today, too. It really is. Absolutely. Yeah. Always. I always enjoy these conversations. And it's not just because you tell me I'm brilliant. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'll be completely authentic and honest. That is a great perk for me. But <laughs> but I do. I enjoy these conversations so much. You never give me a compliment, but one day you will. One day. Oh, oh yeah, totally. No, no I'm reserved with them. I'm reserved. <laughs> no. Great. Now I'm in my mind like, oh, I need to do this. Note to self. Compliment Lolly. Compliment Lolly. <laughs> Awesome. We're here to bring value to others, and that's what's most important. So, if you were to have like one takeaway, I know it would be action, but besides action, (laughs) what would be your takeaway from today to lead um, in uncertain times? What would be the most important takeaway for you? Um, I think the most important takeaway is uh, if you're serious about leading. And I'll even draw from an old episode and leaving or creating a legacy that's actually worth leaving, do the work. And that starts with you. Do the hard work. The outcome uh, is worth it. You can never go wrong by doubling down on who you truly are. Unless you're a monster. But but unless you're a what? Unless you're a monster. Then ignore that. But no, you know, do the work. Get honest with yourself. Your people will know that. They will follow you through that. They don't expect perfection. They just expect honesty. At the end of the day, what Jared is saying, leaders around the world just lead from within. Oh, nice. I like that, Lolly. You should you should coin that. That's good. Maybe 100% I should, agree. Should I name my company Lead From Within? I think, I think that's think. a great idea. I think it's a great idea. <laughs> awesome. This is great. Lolly? Absolutely. Looking forward to our next chat. Same here. Thank you for listening to In The Hour podcast with Lolly Daskal and myself, Jared Nichols. If you have not subscribed to the podcast, I strongly encourage you to do that. And of course, if you know someone, friend, family, colleague who could benefit from this episode or from being a subscriber themselves, please pass this along. Also, leave your comments, your questions. We want to hear from you. We want to know what's on your mind and what you're thinking about in this time of change and and what you want to hear more about. As always, thanks again for listening, and we look forward to being with you next week.